Hey everybody, this is Chad Daniels and you have landed in the middle of somewhere. Thank you so much for coming back. Uh, listen, it's the new year. That doesn't count as singing, so cut the shit. Um, I just wanted to say uh, hello, Happy New Year to everybody. And uh, Cy Amundsen is uh, not with us again this week. So what I get to do is I get to pick people that I love to talk to. And... Uh, this week, I have chosen the very funny Josh Sneed. Hello, Josh. Hello, my friend. How are you? I'm doing great. How are you? I'm awesome. Perfect. Now, now, listeners of the show will know your name because when we, I mean, we've known each other forever, but when we did the Cincinnati Brouhaha, listeners know that that's the beer fest where, you, you know, our favorite stage is the tunnel stage and all that shit. I saw... With my own eyes, I saw you start your garage sale bit and young comedians who only work for drink tickets. That's, all, that's their only pay is they come in. You should see them. They're like lined up like it's a fucking bread line in 50s Russia. And they're just like their hands are shaking when they take the drink tickets. These guys got out of line at beer tents to go listen to that story. That's, I mean, that's unheard of. It's unheard of that that happens. And it's such a funny bit that, uh, I, you know, I've talked about it on this podcast before because I just, it's it's so freaking good. Thank you, man. It's, it means a lot coming from you for both how long we've known each other, how how funny you are, and, and the, the regard that other comedians, both younger and older than us, hold you in. And just as well, someone who's nice. been in this business and, you know, we tend to get jaded, right? Like that's just the nature of it. We, when you feel like you've heard and seen everything that a comedian can do when, when someone pays you a compliment who's in that kind of, you know, phase of their career, it means a little bit more. Well, that's, uh, that's nice of you to say. And everyone right now is like, oh, are these guys going to fluff each other's balls <laughs> all show. <laughs> But I mean, we have known each other forever. I mean, this goes back to when I would, there are, you know, a handful of people that when I would go to LA, I would, I would stay with and you were nice enough. It was you and Jamie Lisso had a place out in Burbank and uh, I think, right, Burbank? Let's, yes. Let's be honest. Jamie Lisso had a place who was kind enough to let me stay there. <laughs> So, so I would just come in and crash. And I, I had so much fun when we would do that. I mean, it was an absolute blast. I would go out there because I have, uh, you know, I'd get like auditions that I had no fucking chance to get. It was always, uh, you know, I was like, whatever, 28 years old. And they were sending me out for 21-year-old roles. And I, I started aging poorly in the sixth grade. So <laughs> there was no chance I was going to get any of those. I was at. Um, I want to say Jamie and I were at your first late night show, right? Uh, the uh, yeah. late late show. Yeah, because we ended up. We yeah, it was it was the late late show with Craig Kilborn. Yes, like four Craigs ago, and he wasn't there, yeah. right? Am I remembering that correctly? No, Craig Kilborn was there. Okay, but but we got back. We went to the beach to jog. To I go didn't for do a that. run. I didn't do that. I, <laughs> I remember you yeah. guys coming back and you were talking about like like some kind of like army training, like monkey bars and, and all kinds of pull ups and stuff like that. And I was I was out. 
Yep, we used to go do that. And then we came back and the, the driver was already waiting and I was late. And so uh, so you guys had to like get there on your own. I think you got there earlier because there was a president in town that was clogging up the freeways. It was I mean, the it Academy was Awards, I think. I think it was like oh, was Oscar it? night or something. like. I don't remember. It was something going on. I do remember that. Yes. All right. I know. Yeah. I mean, Scott Derringer was there. Old friend of mine. Um, still friend of mine. But uh, yeah, I, it was it was just a blast, and I was think I was uh, hanging out at Ian Bag's place too, maybe. Yep. At the time, but yep. it, yeah. Anyways, um, I am excited because I haven't talked to you in a little bit. I know you have have kids. Uh, what do you do with your kids during this pandemic? Like, what? How are you doing it? Because my my son is twenty one and my daughter's sixteen, and so they're pretty self sufficient. But you have younger children. I don't understand how you're how you're still alive. <laughs> uh, it's it's been fun to get to know them. Um, oh, good. <laughs> you know, it's uh, you know, it's weird. Like, I mean, just just the fact you said your son's 21, right? Like we met. Right. He was for sure under two when we met. Yep. I remember that. And like you said, like there was a handful of guys like when we started that you would go to clubs and because we were all like fresh middle acts, we never met each other right. unless you came to hang out in your hometown when you were off the road and the other person was in town, but you would yep. go on the road and you would hear, have you met so-and-so? Oh, you guys would, you guys would love each other. Right. And it was always yep. like you and Pete Lee and Jamie Lisso and yep. Cummins, you know, and it's just so fun. That, and Roy Wood Jr. Like all, all of our little group, how far, we've come yep. but it's also crazy to think it's been that long but when you say your son's 21 like that just rem reminds me of how long it has <laughs> been right but you know like you you've always been good at giving me perspective with being a dad right because like when i would tell you how bummed i was to be on the road when my kids were like super young you would remind me that when your kids were that young like and not to make you sure. sound old but like you didn't even have FaceTime. Like they couldn't even just see your face on a phone or a computer screen, you know? Right. And so that perspective has been nice for when I've been on the road, but it's also made me appreciate like a year like 2020, you know, I've been sure. very blessed to, to have other sources of income while right. not being able to be on the road. And it's allowed me to not be as stressed as a lot of my friends are this past year and really mm -hmm. enjoy the first year in two decades of being home and yeah and not, it's, it, it has been fascinating and usually when you're home for a couple of days like you have like a million things to get done like errands to run right. so even though you're off you're you still don't ever feel caught up to a point where you can just be like what do we feel like doing today you know so i've really tried to appreciate that yeah well good good because i agree it was very robotic for a little while where you know you'd get home and you're like all right when she goes to school on Monday, I'm going to have to wash my clothes and get this ready and make sure this is ready for when I leave on Wednesday. And it's been, you know, I miss comedy, but I, I've, I've loved being home. For example, you know, we, we do this thing called uh, Hunt, uh, what's it called? Hunt a Murderer? I got it for Christmas. Hunt. Yeah, it's, it's so great. It's like a, an escape room that you bring to your house. I mean, for listeners, it's you get this little package with police files and reports in it and then you have to figure out you have to eliminate one suspect and you keep doing it and keep doing it till you figure out the killer well i'm going to tell you 
last night, Olivia and I opened the box. We're almost done. So we're in the next episode. And we are, I am scouring through this shit. I mean, I may as well have ripped glasses off of my face (laughs) and just like, it's not here. It's just not here. We're not making the connection. I mean, we have a board. We have a cork board with strings. Like, it's a, it's a legit operation. We're going to find this fucking person who killed who killed this actor. No spoilers. Yeah. Just as you're going through this, no spoilers. Because yep. I think no I have the I'm... exact same game unopened right here. <laughs> I, I promise I won't. But this will help you because we, I went through everything four times. Four. And I'm just like, you are smarter than this. How are you not making this connection? I was like, it has, it has to do with this opening this isn't a spoiler it has to do with this opening of a restaurant because the time is right on it and i couldn't figure it out and then you get pictures on your computer that you can look at josh i looked at this thing everything i went back to the first episode and reread everything four times looking for clues and i needed to fucking scroll down on the picture that's the only thing i didn't do the, the picture was there and the information I needed was one little tiny inch up scroll. <laughs> the, I almost ran to wherever this is from and found the creator and punched him so hard in the dick. I guarantee the person that put that picture on there is the same person that came up with roundabouts for driving. Fuck <laughs> you. I was so furious. My daughter was just like, relax. Should we, oh, should we get a clue? That's what my daughter always goes. Hey, should we get a hint? And I'm like, no. We're, we don't need hints. We're smarter than this. I was losing my mind. That's and great. And it, it, was, it was scroll up. I'm going to keep that in my pocket for when, my, when my wife is at her wit's end. <laughs> because I'm telling you, man, you talked about technology and having it with your kids. I'm probably lucky I didn't have technology. I'd have fucked it up. I'd have left the phone on sometime when I was complaining about them, and they would have ended up hearing it on FaceTime or some <laughs> shit. <laughs> you know, something ridiculous. Because I used to have to. You're right. I didn't have FaceTime. So what I would do is I had this this huge book. It must have weighed 20 pounds. I mean, it was like it had the gold-plated page, you know, like when you looked at it, yeah. it looked like the oh, book yeah, was yeah, gold. yeah. yeah. And so I would bring that on the road and then I would read them bedtime stories. So like everyone else is bringing in like coffee and their merch to the show. And I just have this big ass book because I know I have to call my kids in between shows. It was so ridiculous. That's amazing. Like, oh, what are you selling a book? It's like, no, I just uh, had kids way too early and don't know what I'm doing. What's but the age difference between year two? Five. See, five that's years. mine too. Yeah. And so like my son is nine now. And my daughter's four. So he's getting to be a little bit harder to entertain because he just Mm -hmm. like he's at an age where he's starting to become a little bit better than me at video games, which is kind of like hard to deal with. (laughs) Like I can't it's not a pill I want to swallow, but I, you know, like I was teaching him how to play games that I was good at. And now I'm trying to play the games he's into and he wants like he plays Fortnite like all the time. And he's trying sure. to show me how to do it. And he's like, Dad, you gotta build you gotta build walls. Like when people are shooting at you, you gotta build these walls. And I'm like, Dean, I could drive to Home Depot and buy materials and bring them home and build a wall faster <laughs> than figuring out how to do it in this video game. That's a, I've never played it. I can't like my son always wants to play the first 
per person shooter games. Yeah. And I get so sick to my stomach walking around in those games. Really? To, oh yeah, I get so dizzy. It's uh, unreal. I'm I'm a real fun person to bring to Universal Studios. <laughs> hey Dad, you want to go on this ride? It's amazing. It's like yeah, absolutely. Let's get a barf bucket first. And then I'll be I'll be the old man holding a bucket on my lap while all the kids are having fun. That's hilarious. I, oh, I suck. That's so. Well, funny. listen, I am uh, very excited to have you here. I call. I, I got a hold of you, and I asked you about some stories. Um, now, normally we don't talk a ton about comedy, so this is exciting for me because I, I get to flex the comedy muscle. I'm very excited about that, and uh, we are notorious on this show for being absolutely awful at naturally transitioning someone into a story. <laughs> so I've, uh, I've taken on this morning radio character, Moose in the Morning, and uh, I'm very excited to get you into uh, to your first story. Because pe have, you, have you told people that, that this is the perfect character because they're notoriously bad at doing this. Oh yeah, they they know, and they they are still not impressed. But I don't care. Hey everybody, we got Josh Sneed in the hot seat. Welcome back. This is Moose in the morning. Moose in the morning coming at you. That was Nirvana. Smells like Teen Spirit. I remember I went to my brother's house and my niece was having a sleepover, and I said, "Hey, smells like Teen Spirit in here." Haven't been asked back since. It's Moose in the morning. Josh Sneed in the hot seat. Josh, listen, uh, you, you know you've been comedian for a while. Tell us about the best heckle you've ever heard at a show. Oh, Moose, it's so good to be back here with you and Stephanie, uh, who will not be in that seat for very long because she can't take hanging out with you. And uh, this is the part where Moose uh, quits paying attention to the answer I'm giving for the question he just asked me and just pushes a bunch of buttons while I answer it. Hey, Josh, I just got back from the coffee room. Were you talking? <laughs> That's pretty much how it goes, absolutely. I wish that was funnier to people besides comedians, but it's so true. I know. But the fact that you said, nice to be here with Moose and Stephanie, it is yeah. always a woman sidekick who fucking hates the boss and also does weather. That's right. And traffic. Yeah, that's hilarious. Yeah. So the best heckle that I ever heard was in Columbus, Ohio at the Funny Bone. I was working with Haywood Banks who yep. uh, your listeners may or may not know, hugely Toast! successful comedian. Uh, yeah. Super funny, very quirky, one-liners, funny songs. The guy is a bit of a legend in, in his the circles that he runs in. Would you agree yeah, with I that? Saw, I saw Haywood Banks before I even started comedy on MTV, the whatever it was called, the half-hour comedy hour or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. So I saw I saw him I saw him doing um, this this bit where he had he had three signs that said this that and here, and he would go he would just hold up the sign that said here and then he'd set it down, and he'd hold up the sign that says that and he goes I'm gonna go put that over here, and then he sets the he and he'd go I'm gonna go put this over by that over here. I mean it was it was crazy, and it sounds so remedial, but it was so freaking funny. I, I couldn't believe it. And Haywood Banks is the first guy to ever get me on Bob and Tom. That's great. That's awesome. Yeah. Um, mine would be Bob Zaney as a little side story. He took me Ooh. there on what he called bring your feature to work day. And that was how <laughs> I got in on Bob and Tom. Um, so I'm glad you referenced that bit of Haywood's because that's what this story centers around. 
Okay. Oh, interesting. Well, so, I, hey, moose in the morning. I like to ruin stories. No, no, no. That's a perfect intro to to okay, to what happened. So typically, because of how popular Haywood is with the Bob and Tom crowd, he brings out his audience everywhere he got like i've never seen him not absolutely destroy because it's all his fans well this particular night i think it might have been in december so it could have been a a corporate event or something but it was clearly people who had never seen him before and he wasn't (laughs) he wasn't doing great but he gets into that bit that you're talking about where he's got the little signs right and he's like Mm -hmm. you know uh like hey would you look at that you know and he so he holds up a sign and it's just dead in there. And he holds up a sign that says this, right? And he goes, hey, look at this. How about this? What do you think of this? And some guy goes, I paid $40 for this. And I <laughs> I laughed so hard that I had to leave the room because I was worried that he would want me fired for like encouraging people to heckle, but it was just the perfect, it was like the perfect beat, like a comedic timing type of beat. And oh, yeah, it's oh amazing. God, it was so funny. <laughs> hey, yeah, guys, we're back. That was TLC. No scrubs on moose in the morning. I uh, went to high school with a guy we called no scrubs. Cause he showered with his tidy whities on. Doesn't matter. We got Sneed back in the hot seat. He's gonna stay uh, around for another break. Uh, hey, Josh, what's the uh, what's the worst wi- gig you've ever done? The worst gig that I have ever done, uh, I did stand up dressed like an umpire during a minor league baseball game. What? Yeah. Uh, you got asked to do that. Yeah. How? Oh, wait a minute. How early on in your? Well, it's super early on. That's the whole. Uh, yeah. Because I was right? like, who the fuck says yes to this? Right. One time I was doing a college where they they asked me to stand at the end of a of a receiving tape like people were getting pizza they were in line loading their plates with pizza and i was supposed to stand at the end and do the same 15 my best and i quote my best 15 minutes four times in a row and i was like uh hey man and i just shook his hand i go this isn't for me i don't expect to get paid but i'm not doing this there's wow. just no way. You turn it, see, you're smart enough to turn it down because I feel like, and I don't know if you've talked about this on here, but colleges, college shows should be in their own separate category of awfulness, right? Yeah, you need to have a, a skin that is so thick. Roy, Roy Wood Jr. and I did a, a gig at Bowling Green State University uh, that was for. Um, it was like a fundraiser that was a dance-a-thon. Like the kids were supposed to dance like 24 hours. And we went up at like 2 and 3 in the morning while there's music playing. And the kids are all moving back and forth to like not get disqualified or whatever. And oh no my one, God. I mean, it was like, it was the worst. One time, one time Daniel Tosh and I opened for Lewis Black at Virginia Tech University in front of like 4,000 people. And then the next day, we were at Radford University at noon in a cafeteria. And this was before Daniel Tosh is the Daniel Tosh everybody knows now. And I go up there. We had gotten kicked out of our um, the uh, performance hall because Buster Rhymes was doing a show later that night. And so we had to go to the cafeteria where no one knew that there was a comedy show. And 
the girl <laughs> I remember the girl like freaking out and she was just like just please just whatever you guys do just don't make fun of the show because we want people to come to this stuff so just don't make fun of the show so I get up there and I just bomb like just bomb for 15 or 20 minutes and so Daniel gets up there and just all he does for an hour is make fun of the comedy show just makes fun of the, he's like this guy wants to laugh but he can't because he has a hot dog in his mouth and this girl's pissed off because she's trying to study and i'm and i'm standing next to the girl who asked us not to make fun of the show as she's crying while daniel is up there <laughs> just laying into everybody oh man there have been a handful of times where i've been on a college stage and I've looked over and the student advisor is crying. <laughs> and it's just like, there's, there is not, I mean, listen, I'm not a, I don't think I'm a piece of shit in real life, but that's hilarious to me. It's it like, is. you can't handle, were you scared a mom is going to call? Their kids are at college. They're supposed yeah. to be learning everything, not just what you want them to learn. Yes. Yeah. Oh, it's just the craziest thing. One time I opened for Lewis Black in Rockford, Illinois, and I got woken up to a SWAT team, the Rockford, Illinois SWAT team, <laughs> because across the hall from us, um, a man had taken his girlfriend hostage with a gun. And so we got kicked down to the lobby and we had to go and get like shoes from Lost and Found and shit. I've probably told this story on here before, <laughs> but it just when you, anytime somebody says Lewis Black, I giggle because I think he's hilarious. And then I shudder at the thought of going to a Ruby Tuesdays in somebody else's gym shorts. <laughs> Unreal. Oh my God. What I love is that we've known each other 20 years and that's a story you haven't remembered to share with me. Like that's how many stories we have. <laughs> I know, it's so ridiculous. So six months into doing stand-up, you don't realize there's jobs you're not supposed to take, right? Exactly. So I was at Joker's Comedy Club in Dayton and uh, this woman from the Dayton Dragons, the single A affiliate of the Reds, came up to me after a show that I was emceeing and said, how would you like to, to do this in front of a sold out stadium? And I was like, <laughs> you know, you're dumb. You're you're 20 years old. You're dumb. You're yeah. like, I'm you, ready you, for this. You, I'm totally you think ready. You're on top of the world. Absolutely. You, you think. You, what goes through your head is sold out stadium of people that are there to watch baseball. Well, I'll turn them into comedy fans. That's right. You're damn right. I will. And sometimes you wish you had that swagger back, right? <laughs> right. Right. Now I'm like hard pass, you know, some guy offered <laughs> for me to do stand up in my basement during the pandemic. And I'm like, Nope, <laughs> <laughs> not even leave my house to embarrass myself. That's a hard pass. Yeah. The, the, you know, everyone's doing zoom shows and, you know, whoever, whoever has the balls to do that, good for you. 100%. But anytime, anytime somebody asks me to do a Zoom show, I'm just like, have you seen me ever do stand-up? I mean, if 300 people are laughing and one person isn't, I will bring up the person that isn't laughing and I will bring the show to a fucking screeching halt. And you want me to do it over computer where I can hear dogs barking? Bad idea, man. What is that about us, though? What is that about us that we have to focus on the one person not having fun in a room of that well, many people. I think it's the same part of our brain that said, I need attention from strangers in mass amounts. You know, yeah. I, I think it's, I think it's the fact that we, we thrive on positive immediate feedback. And 
you know, that's that's why like I I can't listen to this show ever. I can't listen back to it because I will drive myself crazy because I, I don't know if people are laughing at it or not. Yeah. And so I'm just yeah. like, I can listen to my shows because I can tell what's going well and what isn't. But on here, you know, I'm sure I'd listen to Moose in the Morning and so I could just picture people going, Jesus Christ, just turning their car yeah. radios down. Yeah. Yeah. I watched a girl complete about 35 levels of Candy Crush in the front row at the Cleveland Improv one time. And it's, it stuck with me for two weeks. I had a great show, and all I could picture was her not looking up, playing Candy Crush, where I could I could see it. I'm not, like, I still oh, remember man. it to this day. It was probably 10 years ago. My favorite kind of crowd member is the guy who keeps looking at his girlfriend laughing <laughs> and then looking back at you like, like your whole plot was to start comedy 22 years ago to steal his girlfriend. Right. You're, you're playing the long con just to come into Virginia Beach to scoop up Eric's chick. You know, it's like, fucking get a hold of yourself, Eric. That's so true. God, it's so true. How'd that, how'd that ump gig go? Oh, God, it was terrible. I asked my parents to come. I was like, hey, you know, because, you know, they're Southern Baptists. They, they don't go to comedy clubs. And I was like, hey, you could come to a baseball game and see me in front of all these people i was like i was all excited to have them there and so <clears throat> the 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 plot was that uh between innings they would bring the real umpire into the dugout and then make an announcement that he was also a, a starting out stand-up comedy and was going to tell some jokes between innings and then i was going to go out with the mask on and they would you know they would think it was the same person or whatever so I get there. They give me my umpire uniform, which is two sizes too small. And that is not a good look on me. And the joke I make on stage when I tell this is I say, the guy said, your chest protector's on funny. And I was like, I'm not wearing a chest protector. <laughs> and so this, is, this, is, this part is 100% true. So I'm sitting down underground with this guy who was, to this day, one of the biggest men I've ever met in my life. He was 6'7". 280. He was a linebacker for the Jets, and I don't remember his name. I could probably look it up, but his wife was from Dayton, and that and their home was there. So in the off season, he would be in Dayton, and so just oh, for wow. fun, he worked for the Dragons, and he would run around with the mascot and throw T-shirts at people. Nice. You know, people love this guy because he was just like this giant man, and so I'm like starting to get kind of anxious, and I go, man. I said, what happens if this goes as bad as I think it might? And he said, they love me. And if, if anything goes wrong, I'll come out there and take care of it and make everything okay. And I was like, all right, dude, they, they do love you. I'll trust you. So it's like the bottom of the fourth, and I'm about to go out there. And we're standing in the dugout. I'll never forget this. And the star player for the, for the Dragons at the time, Willie Mo Pena, He's in this play at the plate. It's real close, but the umpire makes the wrong call, calls him out. And <laughs> and they start arguing, right? And he tosses him out of the game. And then the manager goes out to argue, and then he gets tossed. And now this whole the entire stadium hates the home plate umpire. <laughs> because they're watching the replay that shows he got the call wrong and just kicked out the guy they all came to see and the coach. 
And so I tell the girl, I was like, I don't think I can go out there. And she's like, well, if you don't go out there, you know, like we can't pay you. And I was like, all right. So, so they move us to the, we were supposed to come out through the home dugout, but the umpire said, I don't want to hang out in the home dugout with all these guys that, that hate me. Sure. I want to be on the visitor side. So we had to go underneath over to the visitor side. And so they make, you know, tonight's umpire is also a comedian and he's going to tell some jokes. And I, I, I'm not even on the field yet and I'm getting booed by everyone. And so I'm standing there. I love there. that they have you body double the most hated person in the stadium. Right. And at this point, it's like, it would be better if I wasn't him. Like if I was the first base umpire, you know what I mean? Like, let me take the mask off. Because yeah, no one's no paying shit. attention to what that guy looks like. So <laughs> I go out there and I start doing my – I had five minutes, you know, like yeah. maybe five minutes of material. And I start doing it and they're, you suck, and yelling at me. And then um, and then I said – I was making fun of the flea market. And then I said, are there any NASCAR fans here? And, and there, that was the first time that they were like, yeah, you know. And I go <laughs> – you know where NASCAR is huge at the flea market. Boo! And it's hot. They're throwing hot dogs and stuff at me. I'll never forget this. So, so I'm standing there, and it's hold co- on for a second. How many comedians can say, "Yeah, I've been uh, had hot dogs thrown at me at a whole stadium." I love this pretzel right. bites. I I can remember. I can. I remember standing there, and like people are standing, like pointing. Like you suck, you know, <laughs> and so it's clearly not gone the way it's supposed to. And I see the guy, right, the big guy, jogging out of the dugout, jogging towards me, and I'm like, he's gonna tell them it's just a joke, right? He goes in. I'm not joking, Chad. He goes into a full sprint and spears me, just tackles me at home plate. Oh my! And God. I'm like, I'm like laying there. <laughs> And, like, I, I don't know what's happened. I just know that, like, I can't breathe. Like, I literally, like, I'm having trouble breathing. He hit me so hard. And I look at him, and he's just kind of, he's kind of standing there with his arms up, and everybody's cheering, you know, because he just he saved the day. <laughs> and he picks, he picks me up one-handed, one-handed, picks me up off the ground and throws me over his shoulder. And he picks the mic up, and I'll never, he goes, I'll take out the trash tonight, Dragons fans. And they're like, yeah. <laughs> and he carries my lifeless body back to the dugout. And he goes, and like, I'm still having trouble breathing. And I'll never, he goes, man, he goes, he's like, I know that you lost your breath. He's like, I thought you were crying. I was like crying. I go, I can't believe I did this for $30. <laughs> That's what it was. $30. 30, 30 bucks and all the hot dogs you could eat. That's right. Off the ground. That's so incredible. <laughs> I can't believe he speared you. Dude, he hit you were, me you were so a patsy. hard. The whole time, you were a fucking patsy. I was a mark. Unbelievable. Um, I actually dressed up, and this isn't comedy, but I dressed up as Santa Claus this year for one of my buddy's grandkids. He's older than me. I would like to make that clear, you sons of bitches, before you message me. <laughs> he is older than I am and has grandkids. I don't have any grandkids yet. Uh, but I dress up like Santa Claus. And I was driving to his place. And I have a mask on underneath the beard. 
So because, you know, my, my kids, we didn't have my sister or my mom over for Christmas. You know, my kids are very dad, watch your shit. And so I have a mask on underneath and I make sure that um, that I'm away from everybody. I just stay in the doorway and, and throw presents to everybody. But on my drive there, there were kids in other cars pointing because I'm full dress, <laughs> head to toe Santa driving over there. And there are kids freaking out in the car. One kid went to move his head like he was going to jump out the window and smash his face on the window. It's one of the funniest things I've ever seen. But I felt so fucking powerful, Josh, in this Santa suit that A, I'm buying one for any time I want to wear it. And B, I, I drove all over town before I came home, just having people point. Cause I'm like, this bitch is legit. That's awesome. I mean, is there a cooler person on Christmas than Santa Claus? No, no. chance. Well, and what are you driving? So, yeah, Chevy Traverse. That's yeah, what I was going to say. It. It's like the... that lazy piece of shit. <laughs> he's he's already dusted off his reindeer and he's back in the Traverse. Chevrolet should should pay you to do that because what kid isn't going to want to drive a Chevrolet when they grow <laughs> up? Because that's what yeah. Santa drives when he's not in his yeah. sleigh. How much uh, how much reindeer power this thing got? <laughs> Just asking ridiculous questions. Hey, everybody, we're back. We got uh, one more break out of Josh Sneed. He's back in the hot seat. Hot, hot, hot. Hey, everybody, we got uh, that was crisscross jump. You know, when I was younger, Josh, I put my pants on backwards like crisscross. And boy, did I jump because I shit my pants. Couldn't get them off fast enough. Anyways, we got more coming up. We got weather with Stephanie in uh, at the half hour here. But right now we got, again, Josh Sneed in the hot seat. Josh, why don't you go ahead and tell us about uh, a, a prank week in college about chicken? I will. Before I tell you that story, though, can I just tell you that that joke you're doing is so funny because of the like taking the taking the crisscross song or the the scrub song and turning it into like a punchline. J Jamie Lisso and I used to play this game where we would pretend like uh, whatever comic was on stage was going to use that last line of theirs to get off the stage because oh. <laughs> it was like the hackiest thing you could do back then. Right. right. Where it's like, you know, and I told her, I was like, you got to go and I got to go everybody. Thank you very much. <laughs> so whatever the line was, we would try to pretend like we were guessing what their exit line would be from, from the stage on that. that oh, made me that's laugh so funny. Hey everybody. So that's basically the story of wrinkle in time. And that's been my time. Thank you very much. I mean, it just like, that's just stupid as shit. And he said, you're out of here and I'm out of here. Thank you guys very much. <laughs> oh, it's so funny. All right. So this is a story that I want to eventually get into my act. You know, can we break down the fourth Ooh, wall here? While I, we tell these I think stories? people appreciate you breaking down the fourth wall. Absolutely. Um, so when I was in college, like, I don't know about where you grew up, but I grew up in Cincinnati in a super small part of town. Like I graduated with 62 people in my graduating class, a lot of whom I had gone to school since kindergarten with. Right. How many people started? Uh, probably 70. Okay. So eight, eight people, probably eight people dropped out or got held back or switched to like a school where you learn a trade or something. Um, <laughs> where did Billy go? Oh, he's fixing engines. Yeah. He's making he's more money than engines. all of us. He's a plumber. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, so 
when I went to college, like it was literally the first time in my life where I, I felt like I could be a different person. You know what I mean? Sure. Like kind of get yeah. a fresh start. Like I guess that's Reinvent the point yourself. of college, right? Yeah, absolutely. And Las Vegas, by the way. Yeah, Las Vegas as well. Um, you, you ever go to Las Vegas and you're just like, oh, I'm going to wear a, a gold sequined blazer <laughs> and I'm going to wear my grandpa's old ring and I'm going to tell everyone I'm rich and I'm going to I'm going to bet my house on craps. That sounds awesome. I would definitely yeah. try that the next time I go. My favorite game is on an airplane when people ask what I do. I try to improv something crazy because if you tell them you're a comedian, it's lights out for the rest of the flight, right? Yep. But if you say like, I'm going to, you know, Des Moines for a ventriloquist convention or something like that, and then challenge yourself to try to stay in the conversation. <laughs> it's, it's so yeah. fun to be like a different person. I got called out one time. I told people that I went to the University of North Dakota and I was uh, studied meteorology <laughs> and I traveled around going to um, fire stations to teach them about winds and how they could shift during a forest fire. And then this, I am, I am so far away from Minnesota or North Dakota. This is a connecting flight. And this guy goes, oh, did you have Mr. So and so he fucking went to school there and studied meteorology. So I was like, all right, hard pass on this one. Uh, you burned me. Good for you. And now I just tell people I'm independently wealthy. <laughs> That's great. I said, I said my grandpa invented something and I, I have never had to work. That's what I tell them. Oh, and then they don't so talk funny. to me. Nobody likes somebody that's never had to work, so you don't get bothered. Is there anything more funny than like a bit backfiring on someone like that? <laughs> yeah, I know. I was in Atlanta. It was this was just like a year or two ago, and Dan Weeks was middling, and he closes his act by um, reading a real Yelp review he wrote from a local barber shop about how terrible his haircut was. Oh my God. And I'm off to the side getting ready to go on stage. And, and that's kind of where the bathrooms are. And then he, he says good night and he gets off the stage and there's a guy walking to the, toward the bathroom and he doesn't go to the bathroom. He stops Dan and he goes, I'm Al from Al's barbershop. <laughs> <laughs> and I was so mad that I had to go on stage, but I was like, what are the odds of that happening ever? Right. Did you bring it up on stage? Yeah. I was like, you guys, I really wish that we were all standing outside right now. Because Dan was like, hey, let's go outside and talk. you know." And the guy ended up being really cool and gave him his card and stuff like that because he was, he was a cool Holy guy. Shit. But I was like, I really want us all to just go out this side door and listen to the conversation. And I told him everything that had just happened in the last 30 <laughs> seconds. So I go to college and um, I want to I wanna fit in with these new friends, right? <clears throat> and so... It's freshman year. We're all living in this dorm, and it, it gets announced that we're going to have a prank week. Uh, April 1st was of course. a Friday, and so it was going to start on Monday, and then your biggest prank would be Friday. Sure. And then um, and I think Easter that year was on Sunday. It was like that weekend, same weekend. So... We started out pretty basic in early in the week and it was ba the the gist of it was our RA like the guy the the upperclassman who was the you know supposed to be the responsible one for our floor 
and the sure. rest of us were freshmen. It was like kind of us against him. So the, early in the week, and, and we're we're filling garbage cans with urine and turning the heat up in his room. Wow. And it was un, it was unseasonably hot that week. I remember, you know, it was like in the eighties or whatever, and so it would just like reek. Uh, <laughs> You know, we th- we threw toast on his uh, the radiator and his or bread on the radiator in his car, which would make it smoke just when he had his car running and like little you know kind of innocent stuff. But we were trying to figure out like what is what could we do on Friday? Like what could be our biggest prank? So um, there was a guy on our floor who had a fish tank in his room, and he had gotten piranhas for his fish tank. Oh and there was God. a there was a pet shop right by campus, and remind that we're we're seven miles from the Ohio border in northern Kentucky. In Ohio, piranhas are legal to buy at a pet shop. In Kentucky, they're not. But when but when we went to go buy piranhas for my buddy, the guy at this pet shop acted like he was going to be smuggling in cocaine from Colombia. Right. Like we literally could have just driven 10 minutes and bought them. So so he's like, this guy at this pet shop can get you what what you need. If you know, because we thought, how funny would it be to, like, put some farm animals in this guy's room and just let him loose? So we go over and talk to this guy at the pet shop and we go, look, we don't we're trying to play this prank on our RA and we thought it'd be funny if we let like a chicken loose in his in his dorm room or something. And the guy's like, uh, so you're just looking to like rent a chicken. And I was like, yeah, I guess like we don't need to buy it. You know, like we just want to borrow it for a couple hours or something. And he's like, let me make some phone calls. And so he comes back and he's like, I'm trying to think of someone that you could picture He's like a character from like a Mike Judge movie. You know what I mean? Like just yeah, sure. super over the top in every aspect. He had on, uh, I remember he wore like carpenter's jeans and he had this like giant screwdriver that was hung on the loop on the side of the carpenter <laughs> jeans. You know what I mean? For, and he works in a pet shop, but it was just like he felt like he had to use that loop or something. So he comes back and he goes, I got a buddy who's going to rent you a couple chickens. Um, how much money do you have? And I was like, dude, I don't even know what this costs, you know, but we could probably put together like 30 bucks or something between us. We just really need it for a couple hours. And so he gave us these directions and we had to drive like a half hour down into Kentucky and it's like pitch black dirt road, no lights on the road, pouring rain. And we find the driveway and we pull in. And it's like the quintessential Kentucky, like backwoods house, you know, like sure appliances in the yard, that kind of thing. And so we go up to the only light on the house is on the side of the house. We go up, we knock on the door and then from our right, a flashlight shines on us. <laughs> Who the hell's here? And I'm, we're like, oh, whoa, whoa. And he had a shotgun and we're just like, whoa, where do you... <laughs> We're here about the chickens. It was like three of us. And, uh, <laughs> That's actually a, a Skeet McGraw hit. Hear about the chickens. <laughs> Everybody is moose in the morning. That was Skeet McGraw's latest. Hear about the chickens. 
<laughs> By the way, how amazing would it be if you turned and the guy with the flashlight was the fucking guy with the screwdriver in his carpenter <laughs> yeah. jeans? He just you've, you've passed you there. Yeah. Be- Beat you there through the prohibition moonshine underground tunnels. <laughs> Ski McGraw with hear about the chickens. Speaking of chickens crossing the road, here's Stephanie with traffic. <laughs> so, so we're like, uh, so he goes, well, come on in. And we go in and it's, it's like all these visuals that I don't know how to describe on the stage, but it's just stuff that I'll never forget. There's a woman laying on the couch with a Afghan blanket pulled up to her chin who doesn't get up. Sure. There is a child naked, probably there's I, th- I think literally she could have been there is a two year old or younger child sitting on the floor looking up at us with a face that could only be described as take me with you. There was <laughs> a grandmother 90 plus sitting in a, ch- a rocking chair, not rocking, still not sure she was alive like the grandma on vacate your uh, national lampoons vacation. <laughs> yeah. And we're just like, dude, we got to get these chickens and get out of here. So he gets, the, he's got this cardboard box that he has poked holes in. And he oh he's like, God. is that what you, well, that's what we brought. And he goes, what do you got to put him in? And we showed him, he's like, all right, man. And so we go outside <laughs> with him and he's like, wait here. And he takes off like towards the chicken coop, which we can't, you can't see your hand in front of your face. It is so dark. Wow. So we're standing there, we're scared to death, and all of a sudden, in this silence, you just hear, like he woke up the chickens, <laughs> and he comes back, and he just hands us this box, and we're like, okay, we'll bring him back tomorrow, thank you, you know, and so we put him in my trunk, and then we go by the grocery store, and we buy a bunch of that Easter grass, that plastic Easter oh, basket no. grass, yep. we buy like eight bags of it. And we put them in, one of the guys was in a frat. We put them in the frat office till the next day. And so when our RA leaves for class, we go in, we put the grass down, we put open the box, the chickens just fly out into his room, we shut the door, <laughs> and we wait for what felt like eight hours in the lobby of the dorm for him to get back from class. And so he comes back and he's just like, do you guys peter out on me, you know, like this, is that, is that the best you can do all week? And we're just like, dude, just shut up and go to your room. <laughs> so he finally quits talking to us and he goes to his room and we kind of like all look down the hallway and he opens the door and he doesn't even step in. And then he just closes the door and he just looks down at the ground and he just goes, you guys won. You guys won. And we're like, oh my God. And we run down the hallway and we open the door. They have shit everywhere in his room like yeah he had left a suitcase open with all the clothes he was taking home on like easter spring break they're all covered in chicken poop i mean dude it was there were feathers it was on the pit like i felt we couldn't quit laughing but i felt like terrible for this guy and then now comes a time where we have to get them back in the box and no one knows how to <laughs> corral a chicken. You know, like you'd step I feel like at I could just see a training montage from Rocky 
<laughs> yeah. well, Watching you guys like, trying we, to get like somebody kid. would be like, I'll do it, and you go in, and they would just like flap like you know a foot off the ground at you, and you like they'd yep. run back out like, nope, I'm not doing it. <laughs> Finally, this kid from Maysville, Kentucky, he heard about what was going on. He's like, I'll do it. Give me a towel. So he just goes in there with a towel and just like wraps him up in a towel and puts like ten seconds comes back out with both of the chickens in the box. <laughs> I guarantee if you pulled his pants down, he had chicken feed glued to his dick. And that's how he got it. That's why he needed a towel. It was a sex towel. We all know that. Why are you why are you sweating and why do you need a cigarette? <laughs> you were in there for ten seconds. So we I say I'm not driving back to this place. I'm like somebody else has to return them. So they kept them in the um, the the dorm or the the fraternity office, and then somehow they got loose in there. And when the president of the fraternity opened the door, they flew out the door into the woods, like behind the frat house. So oh, now wow. these chickens are loose, and we're afraid that this guy is going to hunt us down because he's looking for his chicken. Like we only rented them, you know. Now, now, which guy's going to hunt you down? The one with the flashlight and shotgun? Yeah. Yeah, of course he's going to hunt yeah. you down. I'd be surprised if he wasn't already in those woods. Like, I would have been less surprised if he had was there waiting. Like, they ran to him. You know what I mean? <laughs> he just has a chicken whistle. Yeah. <laughs> a chicken whistle. That's, I don't think that's, that's a Skeet, Skeet McGraw's new album, Chicken Whistle, is out now wherever you listen to music. Oh, man. And so we got one back. One was never accounted for and is still said to haunt the woods behind the Pike <laughs> frat house at Northern Kentucky University. And because they only had one chicken to return to this guy and not both, they pulled up to the driveway, let it out into the yard, and took off. And uh, luckily we no never shit. heard from that man. He didn't have our info, but I wouldn't have been surprised if he found us somehow. And we never visited that pet store again. No, I would never would have gone to any of those places ever again, especially because of the dead who knows grandma. I'm trying to just get out of Kentucky, period. But that <laughs> well, has not happened yet. You, <laughs> yeah, I'm in uh, Fergus Falls, Minnesota still. You get it. You get it. I absolutely get it. Hey, I got to tell you something. Thank you so much for being on the podcast. Are you kidding me, dude? Anytime. I'll talk to you anytime, even if it's not recorded for supposed entertainment. You're well, one of my favorite. Yeah, right. You are one of my favorite people, and so is Cy. And I'm I'm sad that Cy isn't here to hear that, but I'm sure he will one day. Yeah. I'll let Cy know never that you like him because he doesn't need his ego pumped. You heard me because you listen to this show because you can. <laughs> can't even do it. Hey. Josh Neat has a dry bar comedy special. Oh, we were going to talk about that because your dry bar numbers are through the roof because uh, dry bar comedy specials are clean comedy specials. So right now, people are at home in their houses with their children watching you. I mean, you're, you're going to have fans until you don't need them because they're starting off so young because of this dry bar special. I mean, every time you put out a clip, it's millions and millions of views. It's been it's been very surreal um, for something that I was not expecting anything to come out of. Yeah, um, <clears throat> I'm very grateful for it. And uh, and I 
I've had some really cool opportunities and new fans come my way because of it. But, you know, we joked about like, you know, you say people can't be playing your comedy for their children. That's uh, right. Uh, they can't. They can though. The cool ones can. Every well, cool comic, every cool comic when I was started out would tell stories about their their parents having Lenny Bruce or you know uh, George Carlin albums playing when they were a kid and and their their comedy was shaped by that type of comedian and um, that t- that type of writing and the edginess and stuff like that and you were you made a joke to me that you know kids are secretly listening to your comedy under their blankets you know because they can't let their yeah. parents hear about it that's so much After- cooler dude after their divorced parent goes to sleep that's right that's so that's much I... cooler those you're <laughs> yeah. you are you are influencing future amazing comedians and i'm influencing future it guys uh, <laughs> yeah, right. who look up to amazing comedians i'm influencing people that are going to get punched in a gas station because they are complaining about how their pizza was cooked that's who i'm influencing <laughs> just like get the fuck out of here you <laughs> son of a bitch Hey, uh, again, you got to watch the Dry Bar special because it is so stinking funny. I'm telling you, uh, everyone's loving it. And it's at Josh Sneed every, on all the platforms. Yeah. On Instagram, on Twitter, on Facebook, at Josh Sneed. Man, thank you so much for being on here. I, I'm so glad that, uh, that you're a guest because I've, I've always loved you on and off stage. And uh, I can't wait till this thing is done and we can hang out in person. Absolutely, buddy. Love you too. Stay well. And uh, let's, uh, let's connect sooner rather than later. I got to go. Hey, if you guys like this, uh, there will be a new episode next Monday and every single Monday at 8 a.m. So click the subscribe button so your phone sends it to you without having to do any work. 